0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800.
2: Tonight on the program, it is our LGBTQ night. So we've got a full house. We're going to be five people in studio tonight discussing uh, things that have to do with the LGBTQ community, like a church that uh, has put up a transphobic Caitlyn Jenner is still a man sign outside the church. We're going to talk about the science of HIV, now uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. We'll explain that to you. We'll talk about a purge fears, especially in Russia and other political things that may uh, come up. And we never quite know where it's going, but we know that it'll be interesting nonetheless. But first. Time to
1: check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with passion now at 514 or 514-800.
2: Time to help you out with some questions sent to me, either by text or by email. You uh, can email me anytime, laurie at com. But before I go ahead and do that, I, uh, just in case you might be interested, I'm going to be in Toronto On Sunday, giving a workshop on healthy sexuality for people who have, uh, who are recovering from sex addiction and their uh, partners. And along with uh, Sandra Lax and uh, Justin Inu, this is all taking place on Sunday in Toronto. However, if you feel like uh, this is something you need, or you'll be in the Toronto area on the weekend, or you want to head down the 401, Uh, And here's some questions for you. Do you feel stuck in your recovery from sex addiction and trauma? Is the thought of sex overwhelming for you? Do you worry that if you start to explore sexuality again, you may find yourself back in addiction? Is a resistance to sex keeping you stuck in the healing process? Are you ready to build a connected, fulfilling, and passionate sex life with your spouse or partner? If you answered yes to any of those, then this workshop may be for you. So if you are interested, you can always contact uh, uh, my colleague at sandralax.com, L-A-X is how you spell the last name, sandralax.com, and, um, and sign up if you're interested. All right, got a couple of emails uh, that I want to share with you. The first one is in response to one of the, the topic that we discussed Yesterday about dress codes on our Teen Talk uh, night where um, we were talking specifically about a young girl, a 15-year-old, who was uh, reprimanded or not expelled, but uh, I don't know reprimanded in some way, uh, because she was wearing leggings and a loose top. And, uh, the reason she was reprimanded is because it made the professor or the vice president, the vice principal at the school who was walking behind her up the stairs uncomfortable. And she went on this, uh, Facebook, uh, did a whole, um, speech there and was actually very mature and very well said. Uh, saying things like, are they, what business do they have? Just looking at our, you know, he's looking at my butt going up the stairs. Like, this is not... Uh, I wasn't wearing anything revealing or sexy or anything like that, but he was behind me. So anyway, it it created a whole lot of discussion, Uh, but I did get an email that says, I'm an educator and when girls dress inappropriately, they can say that I was looking at them, at which point I would be charged with sexual harassment. I know from personal experience what it's like to have a student accuse you and then have to return to the school to have teachers look at you, look at you funny as if you did something. Never again. So from the other perspective, right, is the the fear that uh, that somehow something will be misinterpreted, some action or look or what have you, and then needs to be investigated and all of that. So I get that. I get both. Uh, both sides of that and I have no problem with uh, with dress codes of course but uh, I think the point that she was making is that it was quite sexist in fact Um, and other people too were saying like boys take off their shirts in the hallways they uh, they stay in their boxers when they want to change into whatever girls you know they can't do that Um, so it's not there is a bit of a double standard when it comes to uh, to dress code. All right, another question. Uh regarding the new trend that young women do labiaplasty surgery, I was wondering the shape of vulvas in brackets vagina does it have anything to do with uh for example with size but for example how skinny or chubby the ladies are. Obviously all your parts well except for a, a penis doesn't grow but your the vagina itself it doesn't get bigger as you get bigger, but the fatty tissue, you do get fatty tissue in your groin. So for men, for example, there's an old saying that goes, "Lose 30 pounds, gain an inch," uh, because there's usually the fatty tissue around the the the, the in, in the pubic area. So for women, same thing. The Mons Pubis, the area on top, the the cushiony part of the of the vulva, of course, gets bigger with you. But the internal uh, part, the vagina, I I don't believe grows as uh, as you grow, but so, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's uh that's it. and the whole issue of labiaplasty it's not like vaginal lips grow uh, necessarily uh just get fatter. Um, that's not what happens, but with labiaplasty although I'm not hundred percent sure to tell you the truth. Like I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't want to make a statement and say that that is fact because it's not, I'm just making that assumption from what I know. So I'm no expert in, um, in labiaplasty either. You would have to ask a doctor who sees a lot of labias to know, to know this, or to see a lot of, uh, who see a lot of vulvas to be able to know this. But as far as I know, no. Um, but a lot of people, and I just got a, a call actually from a surgeon who says that, uh, he gets a lot of young, young people, uh, coming to him to ask for labiaplasty. And he, uh, doesn't know quite what to do with all of that and called me for my, my help in terms of, Hey, I, I would like you to be able to see these, young women, um, to deal with the psychological aspect of it. Meaning like, why are you doing this? What is le- like, why, why the discomfort? What, what is it that you hate about yourself and how did you get there? Right. What's underlying all of that? And unfortunately, a lot of the messages, uh, the porn that people are watching without the sex education, if they have never seen other vulvas, and the only vulvas they see in porn, well, they're pretty uh, standard. They're, it's like a Barbie doll, right? Uh, pretty standard stuff, and usually, uh, many times, they the porn stars will do uh, uh, designer vagina surgeries like that uh, to uh, to basically look like a Barbie down there in, in a way. Uh, so this is all they are exposed to. And they think this is the way they should look rather than, uh, looking at, uh, uh, real, real everyday women in my office. I actually have a book that is, uh, every page just has different, uh, different pictures of real women's vulvas just to show the diversity. They are as different as our noses are on our faces. So, um, I think that it's a it's a trend. Unfortunately, that uh, it's not just a trend. It, it it comes out of insecurities. But where do those insecurities come from, right? Uh, Just Drew says, last I checked, Barbie has no genitals. Uh, right, she has, uh, nothing protrudes, is really what I'm saying. So, in, with Barbie, if you drew a line down the middle there, nothing would protrude. And this is what, uh, a lot of women who are asking for labiaplasty want to fight off is that protrusion. Uh, and no, neither does Ken. Ken, is a eunuch, really. He doesn't, he doesn't even have a bulge, I don't think. Uh, in, uh, a texture writes, um, in terms of dress codes, in this case, it is better for girls to go to a school where all staff are women, then maybe the dress codes won't be as strict. Well, that's interesting. I don't know if that that's, – that's very interesting, actually. <laughs> that could solve that problem uh, for sure. I don't understand how all these porn stars feel so much pleasure when they got their lady bits snipped. Well, they're getting their labias refashioned, so the bits that they get pleasure from do not get touched. We're talking about the clitoris, the most important organ for a, a female orgasm and female pleasure. That does not get touched. The labia do, and they heal. So uh, that's uh, that wouldn't be uh, an issue. Coming up in just a few moments, uh, we've got a full house. Bill Ryan, uh, Trano. Winter, Jean Sobrière, David Hawkins in studio. This is our LGBTQ panel and we've got a really a, a varied group of people coming in here representing the LGBTQ community and we've got lots of different issues that we uh, want to bring up including a very interesting email uh, that was written uh, to me to share with this panel so we'll see what that's uh, all about and that's coming up.
1: Your relationship's on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800.
2: Tonight we have our monthly feature. It is our LGBTQ panel. And joining us tonight, we have Bill Ryan, who's a McGill professor and LGBTQ activist. Trana Winter, who's a transgender comedian and writer. Jean-Cylbriere, who is the executive director of AIDS Community Care Montreal. And David Hawkins, the director of the West Island LGBTQ2 Plus Center. So everybody is represented here tonight, it seems, which I'm really happy about. All right, I want to start off, guys, uh, and it just happens to be all men in in studio here, uh, that uh, I got an interesting email that addresses different or that's asking about different areas of the LGBT community that they want us to discuss on the panel. So why don't we indulge? Uh, Dr. Laura, I listened to your show, the men's panel and the LGBT panel especially. I sent you an article about a monster father killing his 14-year-old son for being gay. So we all heard about that. Uh, you all heard about that story in brazil okay yes mm-hmm. uh, brazil 's new president openly said he would prefer a dead son to a gay son uh, in chechnya the uh, the concentration camp for uh, no. in Chechnya the president said there are no gay people that 's right he 's actually summarizing all the topics I want to talk about tonight. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, And uh, the attractive young Chechen singer Zelim Bakav was sent to a concentration camp for being gay and then murdered. Persecution of gay men is also increasing in Tanzania, Uganda, and some Islamic countries. It is very sad. About three weeks ago, you discussed the double standard about bisexuality in men not being accepted as much as bisexuality in women. You should also mention the double standard in sports. Six or seven female tennis players have come out as lesbian or bisexual gives a bunch of names, uh, but no male tennis player feels comfortable coming out of the closet. The same story in men's hockey, football, soccer, baseball. Why are gay men murdered in some countries? Lesbians in the same countries are disliked but tolerated. Why the double standard in the basic right to live? Why, why, why? Perhaps you could discuss with the panel. So I know there are lots of issues here, but um, I think it's things that touch the community very deeply. Bill, mm-hmm. Ryan, you well, want to
0: start? M- my first reaction is is that um, homophobia and transphobia are clearly related to misogyny and patriarchy. And, um, and so they play out differently in the lives of those who are male-identified and those who are female-identified. But the fact that we may talk less about women being murdered than men being murdered doesn't mean that women don't suffer extreme oppression. Right. What often happens to women in countries where men are murdered is that they are they are the victims of sexual violence and rape. Mm. And so there's a different kind of violence directed towards those who are seen as male and those who are perceived as women. Um, But um, the the patriarchy has invested a vested interest in making sure that male-identified people toe a certain line and they'll be punished if they don't, because men and male-identified people are seen as being superior. So need punishment in order to keep that privilege in place for men, all men.
2: So in other words, because women don't matter as much, right. they pay less attention to them right. <laughs> in a way. Jean
3: I don't know if people have heard recently, but the Gillette commercial that yes. um, came out. And yes, a lot of we all heard. What do you think it. about that? I was into it. I loved
2: it. I was like, finally, <laughs> we're talking
3: about these issues. Or talking. We're, we're looking at these issues right. in a, an in- interesting way. In
2: everybody's talking about it now. Finally. They, they, it really worked because whether you're on the side off, you know, some people hated it. Some people loved it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, everybody's talking about it. A
3: friend of yeah. mine messaged me saying, oh, we had a discussion about toxic masculinity. She had never heard about this. I was like, let's talk about it. Let's have a glass of wine. And then she watched this commercial and said, I got it. I get it. I'm now talking about it at work. Um, Even if it's just the basics, the bare bones.
2: Right. But unfortunately, what people are responding to in that is uh, um, that it paints almost all men as a culture, as being, everybody is that way. I don't see that. No? Uh, I've
0: gotten some interesting conversations about it the last few days. And what I see it as is that there is a problem in our culture in in terms of how masculinity is is encouraged and expressed in certain ways. Mm And I saw this as being, come on, come on, people, we can do better. And there are people who are changing notions of masculinity. So let's get on board on this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I saw it as very encouraging. But a lot of people, I think, saw it as an insult to masculinity. And I think that those people who did see it that way, maybe there are some questions they have to ask about why. Why is it an insult to masculinity to see a man stop another man from harassing a woman?
2: Right. I think people were really, yeah. And there was a, in, incredible to read all the responses to that. That mm. was far more interesting than the ad itself, really. David?
4: Yeah, and I think I think the other issue is we always see, every time there's something new like that that comes out and it's kind of breaking in its own sense, you get a lot of people who are part of that, that group who will turn around and say, well, I'm not like that. Not all men are like that. And that's a conversation that we always seem to end up having is – well, when we say that, we're not talking about every single individual, but we're talking about a culture that's created amongst the group as a whole, but it doesn't necessarily apply to each person. I mean, we, we also talk about how things like transphobia, homophobia, all those are still just very much ingrained in society and that we still have to deal with it every day. It doesn't mean every single
2: person is homophobic or transphobic.
4: Exactly. And people will turn around and say, well, well, I don't do that. It's like, yeah, but I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about society as a whole.
2: Right. And what about, and people were bringing up like, well, what about toxic femininity? It's got to be an equivalent somewhere. May look different, but. I love
3: Britney Spears is toxic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we should have been playing. Who knew it would go, it would go to that. Trana, do you have anything to add um, to that?
5: I don't know. I feel like as a trans woman, it's like, I feel like in my own life, I've experienced that misogyny that you were describing. Um, I feel like when I was a kid, being called a girl was something that was used as an attack against mm-hmm. me. And now, you know, being an out trans woman, now I'm called a boy as an attack, you know? It's not that interesting? Um, and so it's like, I can't win. Right. Um, but, um In terms of toxic femininity, I don't know. I think it it manifests itself more when a woman embodies toxic masculinity. I think it's when a woman takes on that that toxic masculinity that she becomes toxic. But I don't know how I would define toxic femininity on its own. I think it's a manifestation of masculinity.
0: Bill? I think, too, that um, generally speaking, in most studies that have been done, and I think in our lived experiences as well, Um, women are more naturally allies to people who are lgbtq Mm -hmm. or two-spirit and we can talk for hours about why that's so but i think that women also have experienced forms of oppression that lgbtq two-spirit people experience and so all the studies show that there's less homophobia less transphobia among women but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and women are also breathing the same air as everyone else right but i think women are quicker to dispossess themselves of those notions, and. I think we have a lot as men and male-identified people to learn from women about um, comfort around sexuality and diversity that that men in general could benefit from. And to me, this ad, it's an ad, it's a company. They've done the market research. They know that somehow this is good for the company to do this. They're not a charity. But right. I think it's a sign that society is evolving if a company can do this and feel that there's a benefit for them in it.
2: No, and knowing probably full well that there would be repercussions mm-hmm. somewhere. You know, David?
4: I mean, I, I just think it's funny that they, they're tackling this issue of toxic masculinity, but also fragile masculinity. And really? then you've got a whole bunch of men all or, all around the world who are saying, oh, if they're going to talk about men that way, then I'm just not going to use their product anymore. It's like, really? <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> You're going to say that your masculinity is not fragile when a commercial about razors and treating other people with respect is going to like dissuade you from using that product. Right. like.
2: And that was the general message is that tr- like they showed how, they showed disrespect and then they showed the respect. So really that's what it was about. But one person said I was bothered that no woman stood up for a young boy or a man. Like there were no women in the, uh, in there. So. But, but this product is, is, aimed, this is aimed at, at male identified people, exactly. right? It's a, exactly. it's a Even though they women pink use razors. They for women. They do. <laughs> you know? And they're more expensive. <laughs> Everything Same is more is expensive. expensive. That's Pink right. than blue. That's right. That's why women need to buy the men's razors.
0: Right. But just to come back to this father killing their son, um, you know, we don't get a lot of examples of women killing their children for this Mm -hmm. reason. I think that also says something. But in the last six months, there have been numerous examples. I think there was a a four-year-old who was murdered by their father in Kentucky um, because he was effeminate.
1: You know, I mean, these are, and
0: and he thought that his child would turn out gay. So there's an in-bed So better dead than gay. Better dead than gay. Just like the president of new president of Brazil said, he'd rather his son be dead than gay. Oof,
2: that's harsh. <laughs> I,
3: I have a lot of friends that are going to um, Carnival in Brazil, and I keep questioning them and asking them, you're still going to go after this election? The discussions were prior to the elections. Right. And I'm just wondering, how are they even going to feel safe? I mean, in that's my right. mind, Carnival is very LGBT. It's a bunch of men in Speedos running around using prep with yeah. feathers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how are they going to deal and I'm, I'm I'm curious to see what happens after what March fifth sixth, seventh when they come back it
2: 's a bit scary though it is like putting yourself in a situation mm-hmm. after yeah. the president has said mm-hmm. these words yes, but it 's not exactly welcoming
0: time, at the same time, and i 'm not going to Rio and never have, but um, maybe it 's time to show a certain kind of solidarity to the community there as well and make the carnival a demonstration
2: rather than mm. just
0: a mm-hmm. celebration.
2: Boy, that's the advocate in you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It makes sense. We've got in studio with us Bill Ryan, who's a McGill professor, and LGBTQ activist. We have Trana Winter, who's a transgender comedian and writer. Jean Silbriere, he is the executive director of AIDS Community Care Montreal. David Hawkins, the director of West Island LGBTQ2 Plus Center, uh, which uh, deals with a lot of teenagers of uh, the West Island, which is also an amazing service. So if you have... Uh, questions or things you want to talk to uh, our panel about, or you have uh, some comments, we'd love to hear from you, even about the uh, Gillette ad. We're talking about that uh, that too. As one person says, uh, also with the, the we we're talking about the bisexuality and why is it tolerated more in women than in men. One person think, says, I think lesbians are tolerated because they are sexualized. So women are, are sexualized. And so, hey, that's the fantasy, right? Yes of a lot of men, so why mm-hmm. why do that so uh coming up, we'll talk about the church that put up a transphobic uh sign outside of their uh outside of the church, like big. Big sign that said caitlin Jenner is still a man. I don't know why they felt they had to do that, but we can talk about the repercussions. I think some of our panelists are very aware of that, so uh, we'll do that after uh, we check in with our CJD eight hundred newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is
3: advised.
1: From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between, passion with Dr. Lori News Talk Radio CJAD eight hundred.
2: Tonight on our panel, uh, we have a great crew. We have Bill Ryan, who's a McGill professor and LGBTQ advocate. We have Trana Winter, who's a transgender comedian and writer. Jean Silbriere, who's the executive director of AIDS Community Care Montreal. And David Hawkins, who's the director of the West Island LGBTQ2 Plus Center. Uh, So we were talking, many topics have come up, but this uh, text writes, I think, on the topic of why aren't lesbians... Um, treated in the same way in terms of uh, either uh, homophobia or punished or what have you in different countries. He says, "I, um, I think the problem with men being more punished than women is because the problem with men is due to penetration. That penetration is involved, which is considered as very dirty rather than women where there's no such action. So I wonder if it's the Penetration thing. I don't know. I'm. I'm just. Well, I, I, you know, I think
0: reading it has to do the with, text. Cl- with with classic notions of sexuality, which we forget sometimes that until at least in Western civilizations the. We didn't consider women had sexuality until mm. Kinsey in the 1950s. You know Women were just considered the receptacle of it's, male sexuality.: it's
2: Not many years ago, really. Yeah. Yeah. When so you women, think were, about women
0: it. were less dangerous, you know. As right. Victoria said when, when talking about lesbianism at some point when homosexuality was outlawed in England, she said, "No woman would ever do anything like that." Yeah. You know, and women <laughs> were seen as being good friends, but there really was no sex because there could be no penetration. Right. supposedly, right. And, but women have always been seen as inferior less sexual so less less threatening
2: right that's it. i think that's mm. the word is that they're less threatening and they don't threaten the mm. social order of things especially in places where uh, it's more patriarchal and, and, and male-dominated. Yes, Johnson. And
3: there can be penetration. It's yes. just not with a penis.
2: <laughs>
5: That's well, my two cents. It
2: might it might be. with It's a shape of a penis or finger. <laughs> my two <laughs> cents. Sense. Yes, of course. <laughs> if only this was television. Uh, so what do you think about this? This church, uh, this was an article that came up. A church puts up a transphobic uh, sign, basically, that said, uh, I'm not sure exactly. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it said something about, uh, Caitlyn Jenner is still a man. Um, it just, na- it names, it actually names her and says, you know, still a man and then homosexuality is still a sin, blah, blah. The um, culture
4: may change, but the Right, Bible the Bible, does, Bible not.
2: does not. That was on the sign also. The culture may change, the Bible... Does not, but they had a lot of protesters in the local community, which is uh, a good thing. And w- one one placard said, "Jesus had two dads, and he turned out fine." Yes. <laughs> I love that. Sign. Which I thought was great. It's
0: true. What's interesting to me is that um, this was this is a very fundamentalist church in the United States, and fundamentalist churches in the U.S. are pretty rigid. The pastor was fired for that. Oh. To me, I s- I'm somewhat optimistic mm-hmm. you know, hearing that because even in the most conservative kind of theology, um, the community reacted and s- according to news reports, the actual church community reacted and they fired okay. the pastor.
3: Wow.
0: So, you know, I think that's good, but it still underlines the fact that Protestant fundamentalism is the seat of much of the West's homophobia and transphobia they have done more than any other church or any other institution to spread homophobia and transphobia
2: sadly mm-hmm. what, uh, oh. go ahead david
4: well i mean the f- using ourselves as an example the west island lgbtq2+ center is based in a, in church, a church and it's it's a protestant sect if i'm not mistaken yes, the united church but Canada. not fundamentalist but it's not fundamentalist and if anything happened like that our church Everybody would turn around and, and throw them out the exact same. Um, it would never like, happen at church. It, 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 it would no. never this happen. would
2: never be the sign
0: that would be yeah. outside your church. No, because the church has taken a stand doctrinally. That's right. Of openness yeah. and, and rejecting mm-hmm. notions that yeah. are hateful.
4: I mean that, and we don't actually have a physical sign out front, so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right.
0: But you have a gay flag in your sanctuary.
4: Oh, we have so many gay yes. flags. We've just That's been spreading right. them everywhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, some beautiful tapestries in that church. Oh my God, it's true. (laughs) Last year the Catholic
0: church that was on the parade route of the Gay Pride Parade in Montreal mm-hmm. had a huge rainbow flag flying from its steeple. Mm-hmm. That's oh, the I saw first it? Yes. Time. Yeah. yes. That was an amazing statement by a church that still has not come
3: to terms with its teaching on sexuality. That was the first? I was I was under the impression they had it last the year before, too.
0: Oh, well, it's the first time I saw it anyway. I know that inside the church they've had rainbow flags, but this one was, you know, yeah, was probably a, last 50 year, feet long. This year,
2: this past mm-hmm. one was the first one I'd seen. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that one before mm-hmm. either. So that that's a great... Move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder what how other churches are are how they are responding, and it would be nice if they all. Well, there's there's stood one together. question you have
0: to ask yourself to know how a church responds: Where are women in that church? If the church ordains women mm. and allows women to have access to all places of power within the church, that church is open. Same with synagogues, right? It's, it's same with yes. mosques. Yes, you know, uh, if women and men are equal in those religious communities. They are open to LGBT, to so, people. So,
2: Bill, as a as a prof and, uh, you know, you know a lot of this stuff, talk to us about that link between being open to women and then being open to the community, because historically there's a, it's quite well, meaningful.
0: Traditionally, the church, the church, all churches and all religious organizations have been bastions of patriarchy, right? I mean, even the yes, term patriarchs course. comes from the theological language. And so they have been the guardians to a great extent of the power of men in our world. And that started to break um, in some Protestant denominations um, towards the beginning of the 20th century. And in Canada, the United Church of Canada was one of the first to, to start looking at the place of women within the church and became the first church organization to ordain women to, as pastors And that happened long before any other denomination did. In the United Church, we're talking about the 20s and 30s when this debate was happening. And once women are in positions of power, they start to question and to critique male notions of sexuality and privilege and position and uh, reproductive rights and eventually even things like sexual and gender diversity and so and you can you can track all kinds of other churches. the anglican church has done it now at least within some countries canada being one of mm-hmm. them um, the unitarian church is totally open to lgbtq people there also women are in positions of power They're equally Reform to equally reformed
2: judaism as well Reform
0: judaism um, any at mosques there's an lgbt mosque in toronto I there didn't are female even know that. Okay. there are imams that are women in toronto and in oh. some in some muslim communities so there there's a questioning of male um privilege that happens Um, and a reorganization of doctrine around sexuality that happens. So, you know, churches that don't allow women into positions of authority, the Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, conservative Jewish communities, generally also are those that condemn homosexuality. There's a, a real clear link. So, you know, the first work to do is on gender equality within right. the church or religious organization well, any, and but then it's sexuality not just the church
2: follows. but it isn't it's gender equality elsewhere it's not just church related. No but some churches right. have been ahead of the curve. Right. You know like the United mm-hmm. Church of Canada was
0: marrying same sex couples years before the government recognized those as wow. legitimate civil marriages.
2: Right. Huh. We learn a lot. I learn a lot when I sit around (laughs) this table with you guys every time. Uh, Tonight we have our LGBT panel, and coming up we'll talk about undetectable equals untransmittable, so the latest on uh, HIV prevention and treatment which uh, we'll discuss especially with uh, jean Cil here, the uh, Executive Director of AIDS Community Care Montreal. And we've got uh, Bill Ryan as well, McGill Professor and LGBT Advocate, Trana Winter, Transgender Comedian and Writer, and uh, David Hawkins, who is the Director of the West Island LGBTQ2 Plus Center, in, uh, who does a lot of youth work and also seniors. it has got a senior center and a, a youth center, which uh, both are area, you know the two ends of the spectrum sometimes the forgotten ones, right? Especially the seniors. So that's really important. Uh, So we could talk about that too. And whatever else you want to talk about, 514-800 to text in and uh, connect with us here.
1: It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800.
2: Tonight is one of my favorite panels that we have uh, monthly here. It's our LGBTQ panel. We have uh, Bill Ryan, who is a McGill professor, and LGBTQ advocate, Trana Winter, transgender comedian and writer, Jean-Cylbriere, executive director of AIDS Community Care Montreal, and David Hawkins, who's the director of the West Island LGBTQ Center. Uh, So (laughs) we were talking off air. So I was in the parade this year, marched with uh, AIDS Community Care Montreal, carried a big sign. That said, you equals you. Of course, I had to find out what the hell I was carrying, (laughs) and a a lot of people. You're welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I even got my outfit prepared now for next year. I've got full setup. Uh, But people were asking, like, you equals you. What's that all about? So tell us what the this movement is about, or not movement, but this. I don't know what you want to call it. So
3: undetectability. Um so
2: undetectable equals untransmittable. Is exactly.
3: What U equals U is. So it's not a question of someone living with HIV um won't transmit. It's that they can't transmit if they are on their meds. Um undetectability is reached after 3 to 6 months on uh, medication if they follow what their doctors are um, advising them to do with their medication. And that basically means that your viral load, the amount of HIV virus within your blood is that undetectable and untransmittable, so it just won't be transmitted. Okay, um, that's the the basic of the basics,
2: and that's using medication like PrEP, which we've talked about here on the show. Is that No, so PrEP
3: can be taken by folks that are, for instance, um, in zero-discordant couples. So a zero-discordant couple is someone that's living with HIV, dating someone that's not living with HIV. They can use PrEP. Um, It's similar to birth control pill, let's say. Um, But PrEP basically protects you from HIV transmission. Um, But folks that are living with HIV take HAARTs, so highly active antiretrovirals, and when they take their meds, according to their doctors, they can reach undetectability. So it's like a, yay, we did it, we reached it, I'm not going to transmit... Um, and in those cases, um, it's really liberating this campaign of U equals U because it's international. Um, people might not know this, but in Canada, we're the first country to have signed on to the U equals U statement, the consensus statement. Um, so our Minister of Health, Jeanette Pitsipa-Taylor, signed this a couple of months ago um, on World AIDS Day. ACCM was the first Quebec organization to sign on about two years ago. Um, and we brought in the founder. He's from New York. He's been traveling the world bringing this message and it's just a message of hope for a lot of people because they sure. can rediscover their, their sexuality, their sexual lives. They can, they can experience relationships in different ways. Um, Cause a lot of people mourned their sexual lives. Right. Um, but with this statement, so undetectability, it's, it's not going to be transmitted and right. the courtrooms are slowly catching up. Um, but yeah.
2: And let me just make clear, it doesn't mean that you don't need condoms because other things are, Yes, catchable, yes. okay? There are <laughs> like, other things out there. Right.
3: Prep does not protect you against chlamydia, uh, gonorrhea, syphilis, gonorrhea, HPV
2: and all the all others, the fun stuff. herpes and, and all of that. But I think that's important because often people think, "Oh great, yay, I don't need condoms because I'm not going to get the one, the one thing that could kill me." Uh, And so they they neglect that. So there's the worry with the U equals U.
3: But Google it. Learn a bit more about it. Um, There is a campaign that's going to be started. uh, The Minister of Health announced this this weekend in Ottawa at a conference I was at. And they're investing $500,000 on anti-stigma campaigns across the country. Mm -hmm. And part of these campaigns, there's a branch going towards HIV stigma, um, particularly U equals U. So ACCM is going to be working on the Quebec Um, outreach
2: and just so people know there is an abundance now of clinical of scientific evidence that uh, has firmly established yes the partner
3: study um assessed uh I don't know the exact numbers, but they assessed a couple hundred or even thousand couples um, that were zero discordant and verified whether or not there was transmission when one of the partners was undetectable. I think it
2: was 2,600 that they yes, looked that's at, yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: um, and no transmission. And there are other studies
0: that, yeah, yes. that confirm that around the right. world. And I think that, you know, for a person like myself who's been involved in HIV oriented work since 1986, this is a miracle. Yeah. This, is, this is an absolute miracle. And, um, you know, as time goes by, the medication will get less expensive. It is covered in Quebec by the... Oh, it is um, covered. By, okay. Uh, ...RAMQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this takes away a huge amount of fear from people who lived in fear, mm-hmm. abject fear of, lives, of yeah. catching HIV. Right. And it allows people with HIV who are on their medication to also have a lot less fear about transmitting HIV to other people. Mm. So this is there. This will probably become an injection that happens once every three months. That's being, that's being tested now Mm -hmm. rather than a daily pill. But, um, this is, this is the path towards
3: a vaccine.
2: Right, exactly.
3: It's not the cure yet, but we're working towards it. And Bill is right. There are a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are currently working on um, tests on three months, six months, and yearly injections uh, pertaining to Well, that would make
2: a huge Um, difference. mm -hmm.
3: But there's PrEP and there's PEP as well. So there's pre-exposure and there's post-exposure. So it's like the plan B. Mm -hmm. Um, Right.
2: So they say like take the PEP like within 72 hours. Exactly. Exactly like uh, the – So PrEP
3: uh, is like the birth control pill and PEP is like plan B.
2: Okay, That's the how emergency I explain it to folks. <laughs> No, that yeah. that makes uh, a lot of sense. But at least people have options now. Yes. Like it's, uh, and it does take away that fear. I just hope that people don't. There's no. It doesn't have like a, the backlash of, of you know throw out the condoms. That's the only thing. Yeah.
0: Well, on some me. level, that's probably going to happen to some extent because mm-hmm. in terms we have we have brought up a generation of people to be terrified of one thing and less terrified of others. Right. And um, in terms of HIV,
3: prep is more effective than a condom. Right. So there will be people who will make that decision. Right. right. And, and what concerns me is I know that the injectables are coming. Um, but with PrEP, you have to go see your doctor every three months and get your checkup and yes. get all your tests. Right. But if we start getting these injectables that are every six months, that are once a year, to what extent are folks actually going to be going to their doctors and getting tested? Yes.
2: For everything else, yes, right? Exactly. It's not so just one thing. That's what freaks me out. A bit.
0: Right. <laughs> what, what you just said is a really important point because some studies have shown that actually um, sexually transmitted infections go down, even though a condom isn't being used, because the constant and frequent testing so, the infections yes. are being caught before they're
2: being spread that's in a right. way that
0: they weren't being caught before.
2: But this is what the fear is that, mm-hmm. that that's going to happen if uh, if the injectables are there, right? So, before we uh, finish off here, I would, David, do you want to tell us what's happening at the West Island uh, Center in terms of the kinds of groups that you have and if people are interested in the community that you serve?
4: Sure. I mean, um, we've already spoken a little bit about some of our longer running groups, so our youth group, our Uh, Rainbow Seniors groups but we've also got a few more groups going on at the moment in 2016 we started a young adult group so for people ages 18 to 30 Mm -hmm. and really is just it gives us a little bit more freedom for those of us who have a little bit of a disposable income and who are a little bit more mobile, so we can actually do go out and do more kinds of activities and fun things like that. We also started in September. We started our new trans support group, and that yeah. proved to be really popular. It was a it was a need we recognized a year or two ago as something we should have since there are so few trans-specific resources. And in the West Island, there are very few LGBTQ resources, right. let alone trans resources. So yours resources. is
5: great. And Trana, are you performing anywhere? I am. I have my show, TranaVision, coming up on February 12th. Oh, Um, So come see that. It will be fun. How do
2: people get information about Um, that? It's
5: on my website, trinowinter.com.
2: Wonderful. Good luck with that. That'll be fun. And Art Sita is coming up.
3: Yes, we have a free vernissage for anyone that wants to attend at Gallery MX at 333 VG next Friday, the 25th. Um, queer art all the money goes to programming the auction is February 3rd check artsita.org and the abu- the art
2: is always beautiful it's gorgeous Incredible a lot of art. penis That's delightful <laughs> let's let- end it on that and Bill just go take his class at McGill <laughs> you won't regret it uh, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in and enjoying our conversation tonight thanks to our technical producer Dave Simon you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Petito or through my website drlorie.com coming up next on CD JD, this is CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.